0: right now called Embracing the Miraculous. Let's tell someone else, this actually, the, the, the genesis of this sermon series was actually in a staff chapel that we did with our staff team in January of 2020, almost two years ago. And as this is ruminated among us, we were talking about it, and what we're talking about is this idea that God does miraculous things. Right? He does things that are unique, that are our only things that he's able to do, things that we don't deserve, that we don't earn things that we can't orchestrate, things that we can't make happen, but the unique work that he does. Now, I think the fact that you're here in church, whether you're on with us online or you're here on site, you're probably open to the idea that God is able to do miraculous things. But the question that we're asking within this sermon series is, are we people that, that just kind of objectively affirm that there is a God who's able to do miraculous things, or are we people who turn and want to embrace the work that he does? That do we want to have live with a sense of expectation, a sense of hope, a wanting for him to do what only he can do in our lives and around us as well. You know, I was in Russia a few, week, a few weeks ago, a few years ago, in Siberia with one of our missions partners called Imaginations. And during this time, we were running a conference and doing a number of things, but there was a lot of prayer happening in there. We would speak uh, messages on leadership or on spiritual development and growth. And then we'd pray for people. And we did this for days on end. And what would happen would be one of our team would speak on stage. And afterwards, there'd be time of worship and prayer. And people would stack up five, ten rows deep waiting for prayer. Translators helping us to pray for people that were there. Countless people we prayed for. The last day, the last session, I'm standing over off to the side of the room and I'm just praying on my own. And I said, Lord, I've prayed for a ton of people this, this week. And I'd just love to see an answer to prayer. Would you allow me to see what you've done here with some specificity? And here's the thing. I don't need this to validate the trip. I don't need this to validate who you are. I know who you are. I know who, who, what you're able to do. But, but just as an act of your grace, of your kindness, would you let me see an answer to prayer of something that's happened here? Well, fast forward a little bit, the guy speaking there got done speaking, same, same scenario, same story, people lined up for prayer. I came up to pray with people, and, and I watch from the stage as this woman makes her way on a mission to the stage. I mean, she's on a beeline here, she's pushing people aside, she grabs a, an interpreter, probably away from somebody else, and comes up to me, and, and through this interpreter, she goes, do you remember praying for me? And I said, I I actually did remember praying for her. I didn't remember what I had prayed for about, but I did remember her. And she goes, I've been been struggling with this terrible back pain for, for a long time. And after you prayed for me that night, I went home and I felt relief for the first time. And I went to bed that night and it hasn't returned since. Amen, right? Now, I've thought about that interaction many times since, because she could have gone home, experienced that relief, and gone, huh, well, that was a coincidence. That Advil, that worked really well tonight. Maybe it was some stretching that I was doing. No, rather than explain it away, rather than look at all the other things that could have been coincidences, she saw this and embraced the miraculous, said, I believe God has done something here that only God can do. And I believe in it strongly enough that I'm going to come back and make sure everybody knows about it. Now think about me. I could have in that moment said, do you have an x-ray? Note from the chiropractor. Is there some way we can like, make this legitimate, that we can prove that this happened? I could really use a little proof. But I didn't do that in that moment. I embraced the miraculous, and I went, you know what? God just did something in her life that I don't entirely understand, that I may have been a part of, but I, I can't entirely comprehend. But you know what? Praise God, and we're going to celebrate it. We're going to be people who are encouraged by that moment, and then go on and continue on living. The question is for all of us today and in this sermon series is what might happen if we move from people who objectively affirm miracles to a people that embrace them, a people who are free to wonder a little at the possibilities of what God might actually do. Last week, we talked about how embracing the miraculous drives hope. Today, we're talking about how embracing the miraculous empowers peace, and there is an opportunity for you to take notes in your uh, service guides today if you'd like to. I encourage you to do so. Our big idea is this, that embracing the miraculous empowers peace by recognizing God's authority over all things. Embracing the miraculous empowers peace by recognizing God's authority over all things. Peace is not achieved by the elimination of chaos. Peace is experienced by the presence of God. I can't tell you how many times in the last year or two years I have prayed for, dreamed for, longed for the elimination of chaos. Time after time, like, Lord, would you just bring down the level of change here? Would you bring down the level of chaos going around me? But ultimately, that in itself would not be what would bring peace. See, if our hope for peace is tied to just time or patience, or the reduction of that, we are bound to be disappointed over and over and over again. Because in the world we live in, in the social climate, and the health climate, and the political climate, and even the spiritual climate around us, there are no shortage of things for us to get frustrated about. Amen? There's no shortage of things for us to get wonder about and, and think, well, what's going to come next? Or what are the implications of that? There's no shortage of things for us to get angry about. There's no shortage of things for us to get confused about. Wondering what do I make of this or that or what will come of this or that. And so in the midst of that journey, what ultimately brings peace is not just the reduction of chaos, but the presence of God within the chaos that we experience. God empowers inward peace regardless of outward circumstance. It's part of the work of his spirit within us as we yield to him and and release our plans to him. He brings an inward peace that goes beyond our outward circumstance. And the reason he's able to do that is because he has authority over all things. Colossians 1 talks about this and the authority that that God has, the authority of Christ. It says, "For For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. It's a passage that's talking to us about the authority of Christ. Let's unpack this a little bit, talking about what he has authority over. Through Christ, God created everything. He said the realms of heaven and the realms of earth, meaning that anything within our ability to study, he created and has authority over. Biology, chemistry, geology, physics, spirituality, psychology, any of the other (laughs) agis. He he has authority over all of them. All of them are under his authority. As a side note, sometimes people will say that science and and faith don't connect well. I actually find them to complement one another really well. I knew a scientist at one point that as he was learning more and more, he would say, huh, so that's how God did that. I found in my study the scriptures often will offer insight into the what's and the the whys, that science brings along some answers to the how's. But he made the heavens and the earth and all that's within them. Second, it says he made the power structures of the spiritual world, which coincide with the power structures of the physical world. So thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities of the seen and unseen world are under the authority of Christ. And then third, it says, as the maker of everything, he holds authority over all things, as if we hadn't encompassed enough already. Hey, he, he actually holds authority over all things. He existed before anything else. You think about it this way, when, an, when a younger sibling is born, the, in a natural way, the, the older sibling kind of has some authority over them, whether or not the parent likes that or not. I think about when my younger brother is about three, four years old, younger than me, when he was born... I had some measure of authority there. Now, in the natural world, now, not so much. See, now we're on a more of a level playing field. At least he thinks. <laughs> but in the supernatural world, Christ, who came before all things, has authority all things for all eternity. He made all things. And then it says, and in him, all things hold together. Now, this one's a little more tough to wrap our head around, but sometimes I think about it like the roots of a tree. What anchors and is the foundation of that tree, without which it would just topple over and cease to, to live on as a tree. Christ is somehow, in the midst of all things, holding all things together. So thinking about that, think about what he says in Matthew 28 when he says to his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. See, Jesus had this knowledge that he had been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He was speaking with all all authority from every perspective, belonging to himself. So establishing that, what we're talking about today is why should knowing that, why should knowing that he has authority, and how does that help drive peace in our lives and in our experience in the day-to-day here and now? So I have three thoughts for you today. And here's thought number one. Is that embracing the miraculous... Recognizes that the one with all authority cares about you. That one with all authority cares about you. I think to embrace the miraculous, there's two fundamental truths we have to get our heads wrapped around and our hearts caught up in. And one is that he can, and two is that he cares. He can and he cares. Right, we just talked about all the authority that he has in the heavens and on the earth. He can. And if all authority belongs to him, then it doesn't matter what dilemma you find yourself in, he has authority within it. And it doesn't matter what opposition you face, he has authority over it. All right, the Prince of Peace created all things and is holding all things together every moment of every day. He can. But he also cares. And this blows my mind. This is the thing that I've I've wrestled to understand and to to grapple with throughout life. It's not just that he can, it's that he cares. That one with all authority in heaven and on earth says, you know what, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, I'm going to walk with you and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, nothing's going to separate you from my love. And it doesn't matter what dilemma that you're in. He's going to love you in the midst of it. And it doesn't matter what opposition you face. He's going to care for you within it. Now here's the thing. If his power is divorced from his love, if he can but he doesn't really care, then what we end up with is an authoritarian tyrant who's unworthy of our our following And certainly does not inspire our love and devotion. But on the flip side, if his love is divorced from his power, if he cares but he really can't, then he's of little more good than my puppy at home. I've got a six-month-old puppy at home that is an extraordinary listener. (laughs) She will listen to me all day long. She'll sometimes sleep while I'm talking. But you know what she can't do? She can't really make a difference in anything that's going on. She can't give feedback to what's happening. See, we know a God who can and who cares. And Psalm 62 puts this really clearly and summarizes this well. Psalm 62, 11 and 12 says, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. The power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. Power belongs to you, and with you there is unfailing love. Let me bring this to life a little bit. There's a few times in my life that I have experienced what what I would say is God's supernatural provision, His miraculous provision in 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 several moments. But I want to share a couple of those with you. One of them, I I was graduating from college and getting ready to go to the mission field, and in this span of time, uh, I had to raise a team of financial supporters to support all of my ministry that was happening my salary, my ministry expenses, my benefits, everything. I had to raise a, a team of people who would support that financially. So I went home after, after graduating college, and I worked my tail off. <laughs> I worked a, a construction job during the day, so I'd get up at five in the morning, work this construction job throughout the day, get home, take a shower, and then I'd be on the phone and meeting with people and talking with people about what God was calling me to do and, and where I was going and inviting people to partner in this. And I worked hard over the course of three and a half months or so. And I got within two weeks of the deadline for raising this team of partners and the finances that were needed. And I still had $1,500 per month in financial support that I needed. Now that's a lot today. That was even more 20 years ago. And what I found is I was talking to people at the assignment where I was going to be going and, and what I realized is they were kind of planning for me to not be there. And I, I was talking to my family, and they were thinking, now nah, this probably isn't going to come together. And I was talking to my friends, and my friends were saying, so what are you going to do next now that this isn't going to work out? And in that span of time, from, from that day to this day, I, I'm not sure that I can explain or say exactly what happened in that two weeks, but I know that at the end of it, that, that need was met. The $1,500 of monthly support was in, and I was packing up a moving van to head, head out. Amen. God can. It was not within my ability to create that. It was not my ability to make that happen. And yet, God can. He provided. Now, let me fast forward a little bit into another season of life. Still serving the mission field, I had met and married my wife Lindsay, and we were on a mission trip to Brazil. And in the midst of this mission trip, we get a call that no one ever wants to get. Whether in your Brazil, whether in your, you're in Brazil or anywhere else in all of creation. We got a call that both of Lindsay's grandparents had died in a car accident. We're thousands of miles away in Brazil. And it's one of those moments, and maybe you've been in these moments, where all you want to do is be able to hug a family member and be hugged by them. And we're thousands of miles away and just struggling with that reality. And as we looked into the, the possibilities of getting home for the funeral and to be with family what we realized is that it was going to cost thousands of dollars to, to be able to come back and change, adjust our, our trip, and we just didn't have the money. And so we called our parents and said, you know, we would love to be there with you, but this is going to be a time when we're not going to be able to make the trip. We're praying for you. We're there with you. Man, we wish we could be with you, but this is the reality that we're in right now. We didn't need to go back. We just wanted to. It was a desire, not, not, a, not a need, but a desire. And in the midst of this time, we got a call from the ministry we were working with, and, and they said, hey, we want you to go ahead and book the ticket home. And we, I said, you know, you don't understand. This is going to cost a lot of money. And they said, no, we do understand. Go book the ticket. And they covered the cost. Not because we needed to, but because they loved us and cared for us. And it was that moment where I saw in very clear focus, not just that God can, But God cares. Here's the thing: if I don't know what these stories are for you, I hope you have them in your life. If not, I believe that you will see them as you walk forward. But there are those moments where you walk through and you go, "Okay, I get a glimpse into the idea that God can," or "I get a glimpse into this idea that God cares." Cling to those moments. Remember those moments. Because if you walk through life acknowledging and affirming that God can and that God cares and that he's with you as you're walking through life, suddenly that empowers you to walk in a sense of peace. Because he's got authority over all things and he's able and he loves you like crazy. And so you never know what he might be doing next. He can and he cares. You know, I thought about stopping the sermon right there. But there's more. I I think if you were to walk out of here affirming those two things, that God can and God cares, I believe your week's going to be a better week here. But here's the thing that I see that some people do at times. Some people will come to a place of believing those things, of believing that the miraculous is possible and actually embracing the miraculous. But they'll come to that position and then sit back and use it almost as a coping mechanism or a way to avoid some of the realities of life. I'm going to just sit here and let God do what he does. I'm going to just, I'm going to just, I am just i do not need to be engaged in that. I'll, I'll sit back and let him do what he does. Right, here's thought number two for you. Is that embracing the miraculous is not a method of avoiding the realities of life. It's not a method of avoiding the realities of life. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right, this is not about avoiding realities that surround us. Actually, what it's about is engaging those realities, about understanding that there are realities that seem impossible, but not getting overwhelmed by the seeming impossibilities. Being more in awe of God and what he might be able to do than than the world around us and what we're seeing. Right, this is not about avoiding the realities of our responsibility. Scripture consistently pairs God's ability with our responsibility. Right, his calling with our need for response. His ways with our part to play within them. You think about the miracles that Jesus did, so many of them involved just normal stuff being done by people who were being obedient to what he said to do. Turning water to wine at Cana. Sometimes I think about that as Jesus just snapping his finger and all of a sudden there's empty, empty barrel becomes wine or becomes water then becomes wine. Before that ever happened, he had the servants go and pick up water fill these jars of water and bring them back before it was ever turned to wine. You think about the the feeding of 4,000 or 5,000. Again, sometimes I think about Jesus just snapping his finger and all of a sudden man appeared from heaven. But if you read through those stories, what was happening was Jesus was having his disciples organize the people into small groups and then actually hand out the bread. Right? They were in the process of actually literally taking the bread that Jesus broke and handing it out to people, to thousands of people. His miracle, but they had a part to play within it. Before a paralytic man was healed from a mat, his buddies had to bring him in that mat and get him to Jesus. Before Peter walked on water, he had to step out of the boat. There's so often that God is doing something miraculous around us that starts with our willingness to just take a step, to take some responsibility within it. But it's also not about, this also isn't about avoiding the realities of just life that's surrounding us too beyond our ability, beyond our capability. It's not about ignoring or, or pushing away, just the realities of life. Jesus taught this lesson to a lady named Martha in John 11. We talked about this story a little last week, and we'll talk about it some more uh, in the weeks to come. But where we're going to drop into the story today, Martha is troubled because her brother Lazarus has died. And, and Martha Knows that Jesus cares about Lazarus. Martha knows she cares about Lazarus, but she's troubled because Jesus has delayed his arrival, and when he shows up, Lazarus is dead. And so basically, what she says is Hey, bud, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. I don't know if she said, Hey, bud. But, <laughs> but catch what she's doing. She believed that Jesus was able to heal him before. But she wasn't believing that Jesus was able to heal him now. And this di- it starts this dialogue with her and Jesus. And this is John 11, 23, 25. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha goes, well, yeah, he'll rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying, Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, catch what's happening here. Again, Martha believes that Jesus could have healed him before. But not so sure about right now. And she believes that Jesus will raise him one day. But not right now. And how often do we do this in our own lives? where we look in the rearview mirror and we see things with a fair amount of clarity. We see what Jesus could have done, should have done, didn't do. You know, Jesus, if you, had, if you had provided for me in that way, then I could have made that purchase. Or I could have made that purchase and not gone into debt. Jesus, if you had done something in that relationship, it may not have ended. Jesus, if you had healed then, I wouldn't be dealing with this right now. Right, we see back and we see all the things that could have, should have happened that didn't and then we look ahead and we go okay but if we're being people of faith we go okay but you're going to work things out in the end and it'll all come together hey someday there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we'll have a new body and and i won't need that healing or that person won't need that i know you're working in the midst of all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose someday but what about today Here's the thing Jesus took that and he challenged into that unbelief. And he said, Not only am I able to heal then, I'm able to do something now. Not only am I able to raise then, but I'm able to raise now. And he brings Lazarus back to life in this amazing moment. Jesus is not the God of tomorrow, but the God of all time and all eternity. He's not just the God of what was or, or what will be, but the, the God of what is. And he's able to meet you in this moment right here. What he can do someday, he's able to do today. Now what makes this challenging for us is that Jesus' miracles happen in the context of a natural world and in the context of a natural life that continues to move forward. Even in this story with Martha and Jesus and Lazarus, this amazing moment happens where Lazarus is raised from the dead. But you know what happens sometime later? He died. He's not still walking this this world. He still passed from this life to the next at some point in the process. Right, the natural process that God put in place at the beginning of creation, though marred by the fall of man, continue to happen. They continue to maintain. And in a miraculous moment, what happens is that God simply interrupts the natural and changes the narrative in a moment. And with the objective of bringing honor and glory and clarity to who he is. The realities of ongoing life don't continue to change. You think about it, a virgin birth, a Mary birthing Jesus. Now, there's not all of a sudden tons of virgin births happening all over. When someone, when Lazarus was healed, there's not all of a sudden a whole bunch of people being raised from the dead. It's a moment there in time. Even today, if if you're experiencing supernatural healing from God, it doesn't mean that you're never going to be sick again. You may experience supernatural provision from God. It doesn't mean there's never going to be financial trouble again. You may experience a deliverance from, from some kind of addiction that you have. It doesn't mean there's never going to be temptation again. We live in a natural world that continues to move forward. That we have to continue to live within. And it is a fallen world. But here's what miracles do. Miracles offer us a glimpse of heaven here on earth. They offer us a glimpse of what will be known in full one day. At least in part for a moment here. They do shed light on the power and the authority and the ability of God and his care for us. And they do if we'll let them. If we'll embrace them. Their reality brings a measure of peace. Us. See, embracing the miraculous doesn't take us out of reality, but gives us hope and peace within the reality as we recognize our last thought for today. And that's that God's plan is better than ours. God's plan is better than ours. You know, if God doesn't do what you ask, I'm gonna, this, is a, this is a tough thing to get our heads around, but if God doesn't do what you ask, it's not because he can't. And it's not because he doesn't care. Could it be that his plan is different than yours? Could it be that his plan is better than yours? Now I know what I'm suggesting here. Because we have a plan, we have a desire, we have a miracle that we're longing to see, that we know would be good. And when it doesn't happen, we're left in a place with, with some big questions, and our and our heart in those moments tends to be, you know, Lord, I know what's best, and this ain't it. Or maybe some of us are more humble than that, and we go, Lord, I don't know what's best, but there is no way that this is it. <laughs> Can't be, and it brings us to a place where we start asking questions, and we say, God, I'm not sure whether you can. I'm not sure whether you're able. I know all this stuff says that you have authority over all things, but do you really? Or on the flip side, we start asking questions of whether or not he cares. Okay, Lord, I know that you can do all things, but do you really love me? Are you really willing to do this? It puts us in a place where we start to ask the question, should I even come to God with this in the first place? You know, in the moments of struggle that we face, in those difficult moments when we're asking difficult questions, you'll come to a place where you're going to make one of two decisions. You're going to turn toward God, or you're going to turn away from him. And there's not much middle ground. That choice of passivity that says, I'm just not going to make a call on this, is really a decision to, to go away from him friend of mine once said if you're coasting you're going downhill in a moment of question in a moment of hardship in a moment where you need a miracle and you're wondering can he or does he care you're going to turn toward him and you're going to turn away from him and I'll promise you this turning away from him will not lessen the mess right if life is a mess and, and things are going on around you that is just a mess turning away from him is not going to lessen that mess Actually, what it's going to do is add some spiritual mess on top of the mess. It's going to make things worse. And I guarantee you this, you turn toward him and it won't add to the mess. And in fact, what it may do is set you up to be right in the middle of the miraculous being done. You know, some people around me I have heard will say, don't get your hopes up. As Christians let me encourage you, get your hopes up. If you know the God who can and the God who cares, get your hopes up. Expect Him to work in a way that's uncommon in your life. You know, if all that we experience we can explain, then our experience is all about us. It's all about what I can understand and, and comprehend up here. But if if we're encountering God, there's going to be moments that we can't explain. There's going to be experiences we can't explain. There's going to be miraculous things around us that go on that we go, I just don't know what to do with that, but okay, praise God. And sometimes it says, I'm not sure what to do with this because it's tough. And other times it I'm not sure what to do with this because it's amazing. But either way, God will meet you in the midst of that. Creation is marked by humanity and humanity is marked by chaos and change and unpredictability and inconsistency and volatility. God is marked by a consistent love, a consistent hope, a consistent peace, a consistent joy and that's extended to you. When you embrace this, when you find yourself in a place of embracing the miraculous, you can start to live out what Paul talks about in Philippians 4. He says, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And somehow, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, which surpasses explanation, which surpasses anything that you can ask and anything that you can imagine, will somehow guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, last week's action step was to accept God's supremacy over all things at all times. Today's action step is this. Release your hold on your plan and put all things in his hands. Release your hold on your plans and put all things into his hands. Kind of like Betty was saying earlier when we received communion together. Could it be that that first step to experiencing the peace of God is to releasing the things of us and then to pull and to receive the peace that he offers? A friend of mine at one point said the secret of life is learning to move from the agony of the questions we can't answer into the joy of the ones we can. And there's a ton of questions that we don't have answers to here today. But I'll tell you this. You can accept God's supremacy and find hope you can accept God's authority and find peace. I'm going to invite our prayer partners up here. And we have an opportunity today before we leave to take a minute to worship, to take a minute to pray. And I encourage you to do here. Don't leave here with stuff on your heart. But if there's something, if there's a miracle that you're asking God into, that you're asking God for, this is the moment to to allow someone to pray into that with you. If there's something that you're trying to release to him, This is a moment to release that and people here to help you do that, to pray into that with you and agree with you in prayer for that. And if there's something else that's altogether unrelated to what we're talking about today, but it's on your heart, we're here for that too. Sometimes we'll experience God's miracles. Sometimes we'll embrace the miraculous in a physical way that something physical happens. Sometimes we embrace that in an emotional or a spiritual way where something inward changes or happens. But all of this begins with the presence of God. And His presence is something today that you know, and you can know 100%. When you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. And He will never disappoint. Maybe that miracle you're looking for, maybe that thing you're asking for, maybe it comes and we praise God together for it. Or maybe it doesn't come and He meets you in the midst of that is what's next. But let's be a church full of people who are willing to turn our arms open and say we're willing to embrace the miraculous work of God here amongst us. Let's be people who are encouraged by that. And when we seek his presence, knowing that his presence ultimately, because of his authority, and because, because he cares, will bring peace. Let's pray. Lord, in your presence there is peace. In your presence we're set free, there's no better place to be. And so, Lord, we bring our hearts before you and and for the person here who's looking for a miracle, for the person here who needs you to intersect in a moment, I pray that they might see you do what only you can do. Lord, do things among us that the world looks in and doesn't have explanation for, that we look at and we don't have explanation for, but that we look and we clearly see you. Lord, this isn't about us. Not to us, oh Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And I pray that the things you do among us would bring you honor and fame and glory, would point to the power and authority that you have, but also the depth of your love and your care. Lord, we open our arms before you today, asking you to bring a peace, asking you to move the mountains in our lives that we can't move. Lord, we come before you today in faith. And we love you, Lord. We worship you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us? Let's praise him.